Let's pray. Jesus, you really are the anchor of our souls. It's a, it's a reminder that while life can feel like we're out on the open seas with the wind, the waves blowing us here and there, up and down, uh, Father, we can find uh, you as our anchor. And so, for, Father, for those who uh, come here this morning with uh, heavy things on their heart, burdens, challenges, or would you meet them? Would you help them uh, find their rest, their hope in you? Would you help them find uh, your purpose in the midst of it all? And then, Father, for those who are doing well and there's much to be thankful for, Lord, would, would they come with a heart of praise? But no matter where we're coming for, Lord, we, we long to be touched by your spirit today. Would, you, would your spirit rest on this place and in our hearts? I pray that especially for us as we look at your word, as I seek to teach this word, may it not be of me, but of you. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this just went down when I was praying. Um, what we're going to be doing is continuing our series through the book of parables. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 25. I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and then, then we'll jump right in. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 30. So again, Jesus is saying, it, that is the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness." The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word for us this morning. Uh, when I was younger, uh, what I really wanted in life was to make a difference. I really wanted to leave a mark, make this life count. And as a follower of Jesus, that meant living for God, loving him, serving him. 
Uh, living for others, loving others and, and serving those that God has put into my life. Uh, this is something I believe that we all deep down have as a, as a deep-seated desire of our hearts, just, just this longing to live for something more. And this is one of the, the most incredible invitations that Jesus offers, to live not just for the here and now, but to live for eternity, for things that will last forever. Uh, you know, living in the Silicon Valley, we get making an impact. I mean, many of you guys are working at companies that are making tremendous impact. I mean, to think that within a 10-mile square radius of where we're sitting right now, there are over 1,000 high-tech headquarters just revolutionizing the health industry, the, the data security, the food industry, and just the list goes on and on. We get what it means to make impact here and now, and those are all wonderful things. But Jesus invites us into something even crazier, even, even more amazing. Um, and not just a select few, and not just an endowed elite are invited in, but each and every one of us. Uh, if this is something we, we really want to make our lives count in such a way, the question then becomes, well, okay, how? And that's what Jesus shows us in this parable. Uh, we pick up in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus, in a sense, is in the end game. Uh, now, he's, he's getting ready to start a new and glorious beginning, but he's looking at the cross. He's looking at just a few days, a few hours' time, where he would go to the cross, where he'd ultimately die by crucifixion and be raised to life again. And he's up on what's known as the Mount of Olives, a place that actually still exists today, overlooking the city of Jerusalem, this really lush, beautiful mountain ridge. He's up there with his disciples, knowing that time is short, that time is running out, and so he's sharing last words. He's sharing last lessons, last thoughts for them, for us. And we know that when people are sharing last words or they're getting towards the end of their life that we need to especially lean in and listen to what they're saying. That's what's going on here as Jesus tells this parable of a man going away on a journey who called his servants to him and entrusted money to them so that, of course, they would carry on his work. And so Jesus is showing them, he's showing us how we can make the most of this life. In light of it being short, in light of the stakes being high, he gives us this parable to invite us into making a difference in greater ways than we could hope for or imagine of doing on our own. And it's from this story that I see at least three ways in which he invites us into making this life count. The first one is, I think he invites us into taking inventory. He invites us to take inventory. Uh, verse 15 talks about how this man is going on this journey, but before he does, it says this, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, what every Bible scholar will tell you is that while we don't necessarily know the exact amount Jesus was referencing here with our translation of, of bag of gold, we do know that it was a ton of money. Okay. Actually, the, the, the Greek word behind bag of gold is, has been traditionally translated, I wonder if any of your Bibles say this, as the word talent in our English. In fact, our English word talent for a natural aptitude is derived from this very parable. Um, but what a talent means in, in, in the Greek language is just a very large weight of money. We don't know if he's talking about the weight of copper or silver or gold. Of course, in the translation I just read to you here, they, they think, they, they presume it was probably gold. Either way, it was a ton of money. Most believe that one talent or one bag of gold probably was equivalent to 20 years of a day laborer's wage. Um, so we're just talking tons of tons of money. That's one talent. 
Uh, to one servant, he gave five. To the second, he gave two. And to the third servant, he gave one. Meaning, by any measure, even the guy who received one talent was rolling in it. Uh, Jesus' point is, you are rolling in it. Now, if you're thinking, hey, David, you, you haven't seen my bank account. Uh, I'm so very not uh, rolling in it. Uh, of course, you know that's not just what Jesus is referencing here, resources and money. Because if he was, then the people he was talking to, by the way, in first century Palestine, would not have been rolling in it in that way. Correct? Uh, he's not just talking about resources and money. He's talking about all of who we are, all of what we have that we can leverage for serving God and serving others. And you friends, in this regard, have so much. I remember being really confused growing up when I was in high school and then into my first few years of college. I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. And that's a really stressful time. I'm looking for our current teens as I say this, because if you don't know what you're doing and you're ending high school or getting through college, people are asking you that question all the time. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I didn't have an answer to that. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And like the further along on that path, people are like, you should probably know. You should probably figure that out. Uh, I didn't know. I was confused. Um, and uh, I, you know, I was like, should I go into law? Should I go into politics? I was studying political science. It wasn't long before I just shot that one down. I'm not going into politics. And so on and so forth. I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to offer the world. Um, I didn't know how to get my head around it then and sometimes today. But it was at that time of my life that God actually used this very text, this parable, to help me begin to get my head around what I could do, both then and into the future. I realized that this text is calling us to take inventory, that we all have a bag of gold or bags of gold. We all have talents. Uh, he gives us personality. God gives us passions skills. He gives us natural aptitude. He gives us our upbringings, our experiences. He gives us resources. He gives us community. He gives us personal networks, all these things that we can leverage for the sake of serving him, serving others. Um, and it was about then that I thought, you know what? You know what? Maybe, just maybe, I'm uniquely situated to go into pastoral ministry. Maybe even one day start a church, which I didn't know what I was thinking about when I, when I said that. Um, but I considered, how has God made me? How, how has he equipped me? What opportunities are before me? And arrows started to line up. I, I was having lunch with someone recently, and they were telling me their story and just kind of came up over the natural flow of the conversation for me to ask them, how do you feel like you're gifted? How do you feel like God has, has gifted you? And this, this gentleman uh, thought about it for a second and said, you know, I feel like God's gifted me with people. I feel like God's given me a, this, this ability to really understand how people are wired, where they're coming at things, how they're feeling things. And I don't have to spend a whole lot of time with them. I just naturally just start to get a sense of where people are and how, 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 they're, how they're, they're functioning. And I have this ability then to then speak into it exactly where they, were, where they are. And I reflected back to him. I was like, boy, that sounds like a gift that needs to be used. You know, it doesn't take much to know that, you know, even if this guy was a millionaire sitting across from me, which I don't think he was, um, what a gift that was a rich blessing. Actually, in some respects, I would say that having a million bucks would be less of a gift than, than what he had. Uh, you and I are incredibly gifted from the Lord. God is, has richly given us things to 
to serve him and to serve others. And this manifests in, in many different ways. Uh, in one way, the Bible talks a lot about what's known as spiritual gifts. Okay, Spiritual gifts being gifts that he gives his followers for the sake of ministering, serving, and caring for others. Um, there's all kinds of spiritual gifts listed in the scriptures. For instance, there's the gift of administration. There's the gift of service. There's the gift of praying. There's the gift of hospitality. Hospitality, if we can just stop for a moment and reflect on, is such a wonderful gift. It's such a rich gift. By the way, to us here at Current, any of you guys stop out there and were blessed by that? In, in all seriousness, I was, I was talking to a buddy not long ago, and we were reflecting on the fact about how he ended up putting his faith in Jesus here at Current, in some ways started by us serving coffee. Oh, you guys have fills? Oh, cool. I guess I'll see you on Sunday. We laugh. We were laughing when we shared the story, but what an amazing thought. And of course, hospitality isn't just about the type of coffee. It's about creating a warm and welcoming environment. The community coming and saying, you are welcome here. You are loved and cared for here. Here's a way of thinking of it. Hospitality is the sermon before the sermon. Uh, you think about, you know, all these other gifts that just would not function if hospitality wasn't a part of it. And yet sometimes, dare I say, I think folks with the hospitality gift think, oh, my gift's not really that big of a deal. It's huge. It's huge. God has blessed us and in, in, in you richly. Or think about the gift of administration. Oh, I love folks with the gift of administration. Uh, we, we lean on people with the gift of administration. People, people who have the ability to see how things need to line up and how they need to be ordered in order to reach a goal. How to bring uh, order from chaos. Uh, we all lean on them. Things just wouldn't work or wouldn't work all that well if not for the gift of administration. In verse 14, Jesus says, we are entrusted. He entrusts us with gifts, uh, meaning we have to steward what he has given to us. Who we are and what we have is not for our sole benefit. It's something God has given us for the sake of serving him and serving others and making a tremendous impact in this way. So thought number one is take inventory. Uh, let me ask you, what has God given you? What has God entrusted to you. Uh, how are you gifted? Maybe it's, you know, well, what, what type of gift do you have, spiritually speaking? A spiritual gift might you have. Uh, you can check out a, a short list of spiritual gifts in the Bible, for instance, in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Um, sorry, it's not going to be on your board, but uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8 is one such list that's not exhaustive. Um, but how are you gifted? Uh, here's a fun exercise that I encourage you to do, even perhaps later today, is to go to somebody, someone who's close to you, a loved one or a close friend, and ask them, hey, how do you think I'm uniquely wired to serve others? Or how do you think God has equipped me to serve him and to serve others? Uh, you might find something you've never realized about yourself. Uh, in fact, I remember being there with a buddy when another friend of ours was, was saying to him, Matt, I think you have the gift of encouragement. You're just, you're just such an encouraging guy. I mean, every time you, you're talking to someone, you're talking to me, my, my buddy was saying to my buddy Matt, it just feels like you just uniquely can lift my spirit. And it's never in an overly flattering way. It's never in like, it, it, it's just in a meaningful way. I feel like you have a gift. And I remember my buddy Matt being like, whoa. It's like, it's like, it's like the penny dropped from there. He's like, come to think about it, I've had a lot of people say, man, that, that was really encouraging what you said. And so think about what that did for my buddy Matt. 
it activated him to start leaning into this gift that, that God had given him. How are you gifted? Uh, how have you been entrusted finance, financially? Um, God has, has given you resources to steward, both now and into the future. Look, it's really easy, functionally speaking, to think about our finances as, oh, this is all about me, this is all for me. Uh, Jesus warned this to be the case to his first century followers, who, by the way, were exceedingly poor in comparison to ourselves. Uh, we need to be thinking, how can we steward our finances, individually and, and corporately as a church? What passions has God given you? What opportunities are before you? Um, for how we live, for what matters most, number one, we need to take inventory. Number two, I think Jesus advises us to plainly get to work. Uh, we'll unpack this more straightforward thought here, but he, he invites us just to get to work. The master went on his journey, and the first two servants got to work. Um, but the third servant did not, right? And I think there's a warning here. It says in verse 18, But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Then when the master returned, he said, verse 24, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Uh, here's what the third servant was doing. Making excuses. Sound familiar? Any of you who were here last week when Cindy highlighted from another parable how easy it is for us to make excuses when it comes to following God, serving him, and serving others? Here, in a sense, is what this servant had been saying throughout his life, and then here even towards the end when his master came to call him to account. He was saying, I can do very little. It will not make much of a difference if I do anything anyways. My tiny little push won't really move the needle much. If you keep reading and look down actually to verses 26 and 30, you see that the master in his response has no patience for him. In fact, calling him out and casting him out. Uh, for one thing, the master's all, dude, come on, you could have at minimum, you could have at minimum put the money I entrusted to you on deposit with the banks. You could have at least done that and you didn't even do that to earn interest. Jesus has entrusted you and me with no small gifts. And he doesn't just hope that we might maybe use it for his purposes. No, he expects that we will. And it won't go well for us in the end if we don't. Uh, we will be brought to account. That's the warning um, to get to work. Here's the invitation to get to work. Look at verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, it says, and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. They went at once. They were, in other words, living with a real sense of urgency. Time is short, so it's time to make the most of what God has entrusted to me. Um, I mentioned earlier that this had a big impact in my life. You know, after I did inventory, I was thinking about what I could do and what, what I might be able to you know, use my life towards, make a difference in that way. I started to sense, as I mentioned, that I might be going in the direction of becoming a pastor. Uh, in many respects, actually, that was really terrifying uh, to me. But what I realized, what I had been doing or was in danger of doing was sitting in a place of decision paralysis, uh, any of you guys ever experienced that? Um, where you're willing to do whatever. Like, I just want to do whatever, as long as it's what I'm supposed to do, or as long as it's the right thing to do. Or spiritually speaking, I would do whatever you want me to do, God, provided you just make it really clear. Just give me the blueprints, and I'll do that. Anyone? That's me. 
I've done that many times. But what this text is helping me understand is even if I don't just have it all figured out what I should or perfectly could do, I need to pick a course the best I can with my ability, with my understanding, and just by faith start heading in a direction and just get to work. Um, It makes me think of a sailboat out on the open seas, but doesn't have its sail up. You know, it's just, it's out there, it's just sitting on the water, it's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything, it's not fulfilling its design, it's not fulfilling its purpose. But then, when it puts its sail up, oh boy, it can start to chart a course, it can list, It can follow the wind, feel the winds, and go along accordingly, but it's not going to do anything if it's just sitting there. Uh, some of you might be wrestling through with thoughts like, I don't know what I can do, I don't know what I have to offer, I don't know where to start, but here's the invitation just to get to work, just to get to work and be part of serving him and serving others. Um, one easy way we would hope that you could jump in, at least in some respects, is of course here at the church. Uh, just finding a way where you can be involved and be part of things as we together u- utilize our gifts uh, for uh, serving God and serving others. That's of course the hope. And by God's grace, we're seeing God do a lot of things, meaning there's a lot of opportunity, especially as we're growing and we're scaling, there's more and more opportunities to jump in and be involved. And who knows, as you prove to be faithful, as we prove to be faithful, which by the way is a, is a principle here, God tends to then entrust us with more. So as we prove to be faithful, maybe the Lord will open up new ways for us to be involved and help us take the ball further down the field, so to speak. Um, But none of this will happen if we don't simply get to work. Um, How can you get to work? Uh, What opportunities are there before you? Either here at the church or in the workplace or in your community, in the different relationship networks that you have? And how can you start heading in that direction, even at once? Now, I want to stress the fact that even though it says at once, we should still probably deliberate, pray about it, seek wisdom, but you get the point to start moving in a direction as we can. Because time is short, so we can't sit on our gifts. Um, Okay, there's three ways we can live for what matters most. One is we take inventory. Two, we get to work. And then three, I think there's a call here to find the joy in it all. Uh, Jesus invites us to find joy joy. Uh, Because that's really the thrust of this parable, if we see it, right? When the master comes back and the first two servants bring their doubled bags of gold, they're just thrilled. Here's the first servant who doubled his five. Now he has ten. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. You can just hear the joy in his words. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's what it's all about. Sharing our master's happiness. Sharing the happiness and joy of our Lord who has himself given us so much and invites us into so much. Now, real quickly, it's worth noting that Jesus says, yes, there is a reward here. When it comes to the the, the end of, of of the game, there is a tremendous award. And it's a great reward. We spent time developing the thought that a talent or bag of gold was worth a lot. But did you notice that when the master comes back and he's talking about it in comparison to what he's going to give us, he just says, oh, it's just a few things. There's a wonderful reward involved in it. But even still, that's not the thrust of the, of the text here, of the story. The thrust is sharing in our master's joy. Um, it seems to me that the key word of this text of this parable is the word faithfulness. 
It shows up in verses 21 and 23 when the master responds to both servants, both of the first two servants, by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Notice that does not say, well done, good and successful servant. You have been successful. Or, nor does it say, well done, good and distinguished servant. You managed to distinguish yourself. Boy, if it said that, we'd all leave with a heavy weight, would we not? Could you imagine if the thrust of this text was, you better get out there and double your talents, your bags of gold. That's a part of it, but that's only peripherally a part of it. It's not about the success. It's not even about you doubling your talents. How do I know that? Well, look at this text. Jesus has, the, the, the master of, this, of, this, of these two servants has, has the exact same word-for-word response to the guy who doubled his five and the guy who doubled his two. He's not talking about, I need more gifts, I need more success here. I mean, he cares about that, but what does he ultimately care about is our faithfulness. God cares about faithfulness. At the end of the day, God's economy isn't measured by success. It's measured by faithfulness. And let me ask you, can you be faithful? Yeah, I, think, I think you can be faithful. I think we can be faithful and find the joy in that, understanding that it's not the stress pressure cooker to perform, but just to look for ways in which we can partner with our Heavenly Father who's entrusted us so much to be about the most important things that this life can be about. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that this text has been uh, very meaningful to me throughout the years, and therefore it's very familiar uh, for me. I've just known this text really well, uh, inside and out. But even still, when I was studying this week, I was, I was kind of struck by the thought that this third servant, when he kind of complains or kind of pushes things back at the master, uh, he actually has a credible point in some ways, at least on the surface. I mean, here's what he says. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, here, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. That actually makes kind of sense because he's saying, Master, or even God through the story, you're just hoping that your servants will do all the work for you. You're not even putting any skin in the game yourself. And in a sense, that actually is kind of credible, is it not? And yet we need to remember to pull the lens out of the story, remember that this is being told by the one overlooking the city of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives as he was getting ready to do the work of the cross. You know, I, you think about Jesus and the gospel in light of this story that he's telling. Did he go away on a journey? Yeah, he's gone on a way on a journey. He's entrusted us with many gifts. But you know what the first journey he took was? It wasn't, it wasn't to go away from us. It was actually to leave heaven and come to us and to do the faithful by the way, joyful work of going to the cross of being crucified for the sins of the world, which means now we can be a part of the only true work of making everlasting change for eternity because he paved the way. Um, this is a call to join our master, our Lord's wonderful work. He invites us into it in terms of making an impact for eternity based on what he has done, and it's not a pressure cooker thing. It's just us coming and living as joyfully and faithfully as we can unto him. Um, you, friends, 
have been gifted in incredible ways. It's amazing to think how we're gifted individually. It's amazing to think about how we are gifted collectively and to think that we get to leverage that for the sake of eternity, for the sake of serving him, for the sake of serving others. There is nothing better. Uh, There is nothing greater. There is nothing more worthwhile. So let's be thinking about even this week how we can uh, uh, join God in his work in serving him, serving others. Let's, Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful calling that you invite us into, to serve you and to serve others, and not just make a difference here and now, which you call us to do, but for all eternity, to be a part of things that will never fade, that will last forever. Who are we that you would allow us to be a part of such things? And who are we that you would set it up in such a way that it's based entirely on what you've done for us? That it's not even about us being successful or hitting the grind or whatever it might be for the sake of one-upping or whatever. It's, it's just, hey, it's, it's because of the joy that you've given us. So, Lord, would you help us to be found faithful with, you've tri- with what you've entrusted to us, individually and collectively. And, Father, as we come now to, the, to your table, we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, would you minister to our hearts now? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.